We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky, make it a double. Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, may be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Before we get into today's episode, we have a couple of updates for you regarding previous cases we have covered here on Blackbird. First, in episode 16, we covered the sex trafficking case of Raymond Rodeo III here on Long Island. Rodeo was arrested in 2019 for sex trafficking as many as 22 women out of his parents' basement, which the media had dubbed a, quote, sex dungeon. Do you remember us doing this case? I remember the sex dungeon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Rodeo pleaded guilty in February to sex trafficking charges, drug charges, as well as promoting prostitution. And on September 29th, Rodeo was finally sentenced to nine and a half years in prison. All right. I mean, it's better than not being in prison, but I feel like you should get 900 years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nine and a half years. Yeah, that's that's not enough. That's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's not nearly enough. That's That's not enough. No. And our second update comes out of the case we covered in episode 26, Mackenzie Severn's survivor story. Mackenzie had been drugged and raped at just 15 years old at a party in Peru while on an exchange trip. Her legal battle had been ongoing for two years due to a corrupt system in Peru, as well as COVID-19 shutdowns. However, the judge on the case finally handed down a verdict. Literally earlier this week. (laughs) So. Vicente Pastor was found guilty and sentenced to 12 months of restricted freedom, meaning he will not be allowed to travel outside of Peru and he must participate in psychosocial therapies in one of the adolescent guidance services of the judicial power. Furthermore, every three months, the director will issue reports to the court on how well Pastor is doing with these services. And he was also ordered to pay 30,000 sol, which is approximately 8,400 US dollars. Yeah, that's even worse than getting nine years for a sex dungeon. He that I can't, he got off so easy. It's ridiculous. Yep. Now we know that Mackenzie is happy. Yes, she's doing well. To have gotten something. Yes, correct. J- you know, for her, I think just the justice system saying yes, he's he guilty. I think for her, that's enough, and for her family, that's enough. 
I'm personally upset for her that that's all he's getting. Agreed. That's kind of freaking ridiculous. But all we can hope is that because he comes from a very wealthy, politically influential family, all that we get, all we can hope is that this ruins his ambitions for the rest of his life. Right. Because yeah, and um, (sighs) she did mention to us that it did come out that he had sexually assaulted um, other women or girls as well. Right. Um, it didn't seem like any of them had pressed charges against him. Uh, so maybe that's why his sentence was so light. Maybe because he was a younger person. This was his first offense in the eyes of the law. And yes, exactly. He had a very influential uh, family. So I think that it's it's a culmination of all those things that make his sentence so light. But like you said, I, I think that just handing down a guilty verdict is some sort of giving some sort of relief to Mackenzie and her family. Um, and she also said, you know, she didn't really care either way at this point what the verdict was going to be. She just wanted something to close this case and so that she can continue into her future without the, the case looming, right. looming right. over her. So... For what it's worth, she has some closure now and, and yeah. you know, it is it is what it is. Unfortunately, to us, it's a very light sentence. But yeah, like you said, hopefully this contributes to potentially a not so great future for him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because who knows if this will keep him out of politics, you know, which would be great because this is the last person that you want to be making laws gross so we'll have another person that we discussed in uh yeah the psyche saturday (laughs) so those are our updates for you and uh as we get more updates from other cases that we've covered we we will throw them in here or there but as of right now that's that's all we have to to give you guys so um I also want to throw out a huge thank you to our Irish listeners. And uh, Dan is happy about this because he's Irish. Um, (laughs) You guys have actually helped us chart on the Irish Apple podcast charts for true crime, which I didn't even know, like, we were even remotely close to being on a chart. And I didn't know that we had that many Irish listeners to be charting. So um, that's freaking awesome. Uh so sending a huge thank you to you guys and um if you are one of our irish listeners like reach out to us tell us hi from ireland tell us what part you're from um and uh just let us know how you heard about us because i i'm i'm interested to know how other countries are, are finding us and uh to say thank you to your guys, you guys, we're going to actually be covering some Irish cases soon. So that's going to be fun. We're going to venture out of uh, the U.S. And uh, I think we've done, we did a, a British case. We're doing New Zealand today. So we'll venture into Ireland for our Irish listeners. In county, whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I love that, but they always call it County Wherever. Right. County Cork. Yeah. Just sounds so like 
fancy. Mm. So fancy over there. We're not fancy here. No, we're not. <laughs> not even close. So, welcome to episode 28 of Blackbird. Ooh. As always, I am your host, Sarah, and with me is my lovely and talented co-host, Dan. Hello there. He looks very sleepy. I am, like, all of a sudden. All of a sudden. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Like, maybe the pizza's getting to you. Yeah, we had pizza for dinner and breakfast because we're <laughs> disgusting Americans. It was delicious and then also delicious. But now I'm sleepy. Yeah, it was a lot of carbs, so I think you're crashing now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it was delicious, though. It was well worth it. Um, so anyway, on to the episode. As we continue... With cases for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, our case today was touched upon a little bit in yesterday's Psyche Saturday. It is the case that comes out of New Zealand, and it is the murder of Sophie Elliott. I decided I wanted to change the titles of our episodes from the death of to the murder of to give more impact that these victims were right. were victims of something so heinous right rather than just that they died in an accident or some sort of mysterious circumstance i, I want to emphasize that so i've decided to change that let us know listeners if you think that that is a good idea or not 22 year old sophie elliott was a bright economics student she was loved by her friends and family who have incredibly fond memories of her. Sophie was set to begin a long-awaited job with the Treasury, but her life was cut short by ex-boyfriend Clayton Weatherston. It is unclear when Weatherston and Sophie first met, but we can assume it was sometime in 2007. Weatherston was her lecturer and tutor, according to different reports. The two had a brief relationship, lasting only about four or five months before Sophie broke it off with Weatherston. On January 9th, 2008, which was months after they broke up, and it just so happened to be Weatherston's birthday, he visited Sophie at her home. Along with him, he brought a knife. A few minutes after he entered the home, Sophie's mother heard a struggle and Sophie screaming. Sophie's mother immediately called 111, which is their equivalent of 911. And upon the constable's arrival, he found Weatherston locked in Sophie's room. When he asked Weatherston what he had done, Weatherston replied, quote, I killed her as he stood over her bloodied body. He was immediately arrested. Creepy. Yeah. He goes to the house with a knife. Right. So he, yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And this was um, like... I, it was like days before she was supposed to leave to take, to take this new job. Um, and she was packing. She was in her bedroom packing for this long awaited. Right. That sucks. Job with the treasury. 
of New Zealand. Right. <laughs> like, this is a huge opportunity for this girl. Yeah. And he didn't want to let that happen. He didn't want her to leave. He didn't want to let her go. And, I mean, they had broken up already. Like, not like they broke up like a year before, but like they were broken up for a little while at this point. It's not like she had just left him two days ago and he was upset about that. You know, the fact that it took him weeks or months to decide that he, you know, that kind of if he can't have her, no one can kind of situation. And I guess it was a trigger for him that she was leaving. And he was like, no, I'm not having that. And right. Yeah. That's why if you're in an abusive relationship and you finally made the decision to leave, don't let the person know. If anything, say the opposite, say, you know what? I'm feeling good about stuff. I can't wait to spend the rest of my life here in this hellhole. And then when they say, cool, I'm going out for bread. You peace out. Because when you give humans an ultimatum, it pushes them to act. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And we've talked about with safety planning to just um, to have a distinct plan before you actually take action um, and to know exactly where you're going. Because if you hesitate, if you don't know where you're going or you give the perpetrator an inkling of what is going to happen, that's the most risky time for the victim in this situation and you know try to go to a place that they don't know um or where you know that you have complete protection um you know obviously i don't they were only together for a few months i don't think she it was like she was living with him or anything um she was still living at home but yeah it's your home is your safe place. That's where you're supposed to feel the most protected. So for him to come into that environment and do such a horrible thing is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of learn why he felt he was going to take it upon himself to end her life. On autopsy, the pathologist determined Sophie had been stabbed or cut 216 times. Weatherston not only used a knife for the attack, but also a pair of scissors, which were found bent and bloodied near Sophie's body. It was also determined that her nose had been cut off, as well as chunks of her hair. Approximately 45 different clusters of wounds were found on her body, including what stuff called, quote, sensitive areas. The blade of the knife had been separated from the handle and was also found in the bedroom where the attack took place. At trial... Weatherston's defense team attempted to use the provocation defense to lessen the charge from murder to manslaughter, claiming Sophie had provoked Weatherston to kill her. However, while there was evidence to show that Sophie had attacked Weatherston with the scissors, it was most likely in self-defense, as his injuries were quite minimal. 
Furthermore, the provocation defense makes no sense as he reportedly threatened violence against Sophie very shortly before coming to her home with the knife. Now, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about in this. So first, way overkill. Yeah. Way, way, way overkill. 216. Bent scissors, broken knife. Yes. How do you do that? That is... How do you do that? A 100% crime of passion. Mm -hmm. That is not somebody provoked you Mm -hmm. and you got mad at them and you just decided you were going to kill them and you were done with it. That was passionate. Yeah. There was emotion behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Secondly, he cut off her nose and chunks of her hair. That's weird. The The hair thing is weird. The pathologist speculated that it was to diminish her beauty. Ah, that makes sense. And you know that whole saying to cut off your nose to spite your your face? right. Uh, It's, you know, I... I can't help but agree with that, that he, she was a beautiful girl. She was absolutely gorgeous. Um, so for him to want to mutilate her so that, and disfigure her so that her beauty was no longer recognized, there's something pathological there. And if we remember from yesterday's Psyche Saturday, the whole reason we decided to d- discuss this case is he was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. So I can't help but think that maybe he felt entitled to her beauty. And again, now that he can't have that, nobody can. And he's going to show her you can't even have that anymore. It's just a horrible thing all around. I mean, she bled out. That was her cause of death. Wow. Because he stabbed her so, so many, many times. Jeez. Yeah. And that sucks too, because then that means that she took a while to yeah to die. Yeah. She just had to live through minutes of horror. Yep. God. Sucks. And I'm envisioning that, you know, he took this knife out, he started stabbing her, maybe her scissors were on her dresser. She's packing, so like maybe she's like right. cutting tape to put boxes together. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. And she sees these scissors and she grabs these scissors to defend herself and starts, you know, stabbing him and he gets he gets sort of like defensive wounds on himself. And then maybe she becomes inca- incapacitated. I mean, he's stabbing her so many times, yeah. so viciously that she probably became incapacitated at some point, probably falls. He picks up the the scissors and then just the blade probably broke off of the knife at that point. And he takes these scissors and starts just cutting her even more, stabbing her even more. Um, it's, it's, it's brutal. It's, brutal yeah, that's that's definitely the right word for and it. again like the defense is trying to use this provocation defense and i can't i can't i can't first of all the whole provocation we're gonna get into it but the whole provocation defense is just like maddening to me to begin with it's such a it's such bullshit but 
that's premeditated. I'm sorry. Yeah, 100%. That, that yeah. extensive torture is is premeditated. Right. And and furthermore, premeditation precludes provocation. Because Correct. in order to be provoked to action, you must not already be taking action. Correct. Mm-hmm. So for her to provoke him into a fight, he had to have not been in a fight in the first place. But you don't go somewhere with a knife to not have a fight. So provocation by definition does not apply. Correct. Now, his defense was essentially that, I guess, she started maybe stabbing him with the scissors or something. I don't I don't know exactly how they were trying to put it, but that's like my that's how I imagine it. They were trying to. And then he takes his knife and starts stabbing her. But again, if it's a provocation, you wouldn't stab that many times. You wouldn't go overboard like that. No. You also then wouldn't use both items. You wouldn't be like, oh, my knife broke. I'm going to keep going. I I have to kill her more. That wouldn't happen. That's not, that doesn't happen. And if she was stabbing him he would show more wounds than just the minor defensive wounds that he had. There wouldn't just be, you know, these, these minor little cuts and scrapes on him. If she began the, Mm -hmm. the attack. Right. So it's all garbage. It's all bullshit. It's all just a way for him to get a lesser charge. But no, he's a D bag. Right. Who, didn't want his ex-girlfriend to leave. Right. He, again, felt so entitled to her that if if he couldn't have her, nobody could. Right. And that happens way too often with domestic partnerships. Right. Oh, yeah. Weatherson's trial lasted five weeks... And within that, his defense team attempted to sway the jury with the defense of provocation. They also claimed that he had carried the knife with him at all times as a manner of self-defense. Dan's, nah. la- Dan's laughing right now. <laughs> so I know in Australia, there are very restrictive uh, firearms carry laws. I don't know what the laws are in New Zealand. I would imagine they're probably pretty similar. Don't hate on me, Kiwis. You well, this, is, right a, this is a knife. No, no, no. I'm getting get into that. Oh, okay. Uh, don't hate on me with Kiwis, but I would assume it's pretty similar. I, I would assume that you guys also have pretty restrictive gun laws. But nobody carries a knife for self-defense. If you carry a weapon for self-defense, it's a firearm. You're actually better off using brass knuckles for self-defense than a knife. A knife is not really a particularly good tool for self-defense. It's really not. Um, because it gives you another few inches of reach on a person, and it also restricts what you can do. Um, you know, people may be listening to you right now thinking, what? What are you talking about? You die to stabbings all the time. But if I'm gonna kill you in a fight with a knife, it it wouldn't matter that I didn't have the knife. I'd have killed you with my bare hands anyways. You can do a lot with your bare hands. That you can also do with a knife. The knife the knife is, is a little bit of a force multiplier, but not by that much. It just means that every individual blow that you deliver to a target is going to be more detrimental to them. But 
you're way more uh, versatile. You're may, way more flexible as a means to deliver punishment with just your hands and your feet and your head and your teeth and your elbows and your knees. So, yeah, you don't carry a knife for self-defense. And if you're carrying a knife for self-defense, you're doing it wrong. And what happened in your life that you feel like you right. need to carry a knife with you for self-defense? I mean, we don't hear very many, like, violent stories coming out of New Zealand. So, like... Right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we don't yeah. we don't hear that, like, their criminal activity is as high as, like, Chicago. Right. Like, I... It, <laughs> I can't imagine that New Zealand has so much crime happening that he's got to keep this knife on him at all times in case he, like, gets mugged or something. Right. It's just, it's bullshit. Right. Furthermore, the defense had two psychiatrists on the stand who both testified that Weatherston suffered from narcissistic personality disorder. I'm unsure how this is supposed to tie in for his defense, as it does nothing to help provide reason for the provocation. But, I mean, again, I'm trying to think that a lot of times they're they're trying to sway the jury and make them think, oh, he's got the psychological disorder, so, like, he didn't mean to do what he did kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like we said in yesterday's Psyche Saturday, personality disorders are not the same as insanity. You can't use that as a defense. It's not a defense. Right. And he said to the cops immediately, I killed her. So he knew what he did. He knew exactly what he did. Like immediately said that. Yeah. Right. Now the defensive provocation was purposeful in that it was an attempt to lower the charge against Weatherston. If they could have the jury believe he was provoked, it would show that there was no premeditation and the jury would not be able to convict him on murder charges. However, like I said before, bringing a knife with you to your ex-girlfriend's house shortly after you threatened violence against her screams premeditation. Oh, yeah. It's, that's about the definition of premeditation. Like, there's no, uh, there's no two ways about this. You know, I couldn't find any information about, like, when their relationship started or how their relationship was. But I'm assuming if they broke, if she broke it off with him after a couple of months, it probably wasn't a great relationship. Right. And I think he was, like, 10 years older than her. Um, And again, like, she was getting this new job. Like, she was starting her life. She, you know, she just graduated college and had this great career ahead of her. So she was probably like, I'm young and I want to live my life and see what else is out there kind of thing. So I, I'm, I'm going to assume that their relationship wasn't, that their relationship wasn't superb. That doesn't necessarily mean that he was abusive towards her during the relationship, but if he's coming to her house with a knife and is planning to kill her and had already threatened violence against her, odds are they probably had some of that kind of trouble in their, in their relationship. Ultimately, Weatherston's defense strategy did not work, and he was found guilty of murder on July 22nd, 2009. He was sentenced to 18 years to life. Okay. Okay. That sounds like a decent sentence. Yes. So the way that they put it in New Zealand is he actually got life imprisonment. But the possibility. But possibility of parole after, after 18, 18 years. years. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty reasonable. Yes. I mean, a murderer should never be out of jail, 
But okay, that sounds that sounds pretty reasonable. I mean, so he was sentenced in 2009. What's 18 years? Why can't I do? I can't do math. Oh, like from now? Yeah, from 2009. Oh, it would be 2027. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, like, that'll be the first year that he's allowed to be up for parole. He'll be in his 50s. Um. So, you know, the parole board will have to decide, is he still a danger to society? Right. And I'm going to say that he probably will be. Yeah, because if he's got <laughs> something wrong in his brain, then it's not going to be any better. No. In another uh, seven years. Right. Yes. And math is tough. Math is tough. <laughs> well, we've got cheese in our brain. I don't want to do math. Yeah, I don't want like math. Uh, yeah, so he's not going to be different. No. No. That's got to be a crazy thing, though, to be... Getting out of jail for murder in your 50s, like, because it's not like you're 80 and you can just be like, well, I'm going to go to an old folks home for five years and call it a day. Yeah. Like, you've got to, like, start a life now. And, like, it's one thing, like, if you if you go to prison for theft or something like that. Like, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I was dumb. I was in a gang. I stole a couple of cars. You know, I sold some drugs and I went to jail for a bunch. Like, that sucks to have to explain that in, like, a job interview. But, like, hi, I would like to work at your Home Depot, sir, but I went to prison. Oh, what did you go for? Murder. Murder. (laughs) That's, I mean, I'm not trying to give these people any sympathy, but that's got to suck. Yep. That's, wow. Yep. Not even, not homicide, not even manslaughter. Right. Like, murder. I I committed a murder. Full-blown, premeditated murder. Murder. I committed a murder, but I know where the spigots are. Yeah. They're in aisle 6A. Yeah. That's That's got to be a weird thing. Yep. At his sentencing, the judge actually stated that she believed the murder was deliberate and controlled. Good. Yes. Because it was. So she was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, because that's the <laughs> other thing, too. Like, it's a good word to use controlled because you don't... You don't accidentally stab someone 216 16 times. Mm-hmm. Like, no. It's one thing if you're in some kind of combat and you stab the person once. You were just flailing wildly for your life and you managed to get lucky with one shot. But, like, you don't get lucky with 216 times. That's controlled. That's you meant to stab that person each one of those times. Or if you were insane at the time of the act and literally had no idea what you were doing, mm-hmm. which again, we'll talk we'll talk about that in a further Psyche Saturday episode. But like you mentioned before, for him to immediately tell the police, I killed her. Right. It means you he, knew exactly. He what knew what he did. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't having some sort of break. He, he, right. he break from reality. He right. knew exactly right. what yep. he was doing yep. when he was doing it. On October 6th, 2010, Sophie's parents created the Sophie Elliott Foundation in her honor to advocate for and educate those in abusive relationships. Unfortunately, though, in 2019, after Sophie's mother was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, she closed the foundation, citing that she did not want someone else taking over her daughter's image. And what about this dumbass defense argument of provocation? Well, on August 17th, 2009, just one month after Weatherston's trial ended, New Zealand Parliament began the process to repeal this as a legitimate defense. 
The provocation defense ultimately allowed defendants charged with murder to say they were provoked and lost control to get the lesser charge of manslaughter. However, Justice Minister Simon Power, that sounds so fake, so cool. (laughs) Justice Minister Simon Power. Justice Minister Power. (laughs) Expressed his feelings that this defense is flawed and that, quote, it rewards lack of self-control by enabling an intentional killing to be categorized as something other than murder. And on November 25th, 2009, Parliament passed the bill by 116 votes, repealing this as a defense under the Crimes Amendment Bill. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, you know, we always say it's kind of a silver lining when someone's death results in change in the legal system, but that's about the best way that that can end, Mm -hmm. is not just... You know, not just justice being served, which is a good thing when justice is served, but the best thing that can come out of an act of violence is a change. So, wow, cool. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, a full-on legislative legal change. Yeah, Yeah. that's fantastic. I mean, you couldn't ask for a a better silver lining. I mean... Yeah, right, exactly. uh, Yeah, Um. Obviously, like we say all the time, it is so unfortunate that we have to lose lives to get these changes enacted and and to actually see that there are flaws in in laws everywhere. Um, but it's another case of, you know, her not dying in vain. She she was able to help other murder victims get some sort of justice for their families you know, again, it, it's it's not right. What it's not the outcome you want, obviously. Right. Um, you don't want this to happen in the first place. But right. I mean, it's fantastic that Parliament was like, "No, this is a shit idea." Right. Like, why did we even have this in the first yeah, place? This sure. is garbage. Yeah. And so yeah, they so they repealed good on it. You, New Zealand Parliament. Yeah, and they repealed it like right after. Like this is this was a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. That usually things like this don't happen that quickly, at least in the in the states. Well, not here, right? In the states, here things never change, and cases take twenty seven years to come to a verdict. But so. wasn't it New Zealand also recently that they had their one mass shooting, and they like immediately, like three days later, banned assault rifles or something? It was Maybe. like, yeah, I don't, they I don't they know. they do things quickly in New Zealand. Yeah, quickly. Yeah, good. They see something and they take action, like practically the next day good because that's the whole point of government yes it is is to you know yeah like (laughs) if you're not making effective changes quickly what are you doing exactly exactly i mean like bills sit in our congress for freaking years yeah i i literally (laughs) remember when this is i'm sorry i'm going on a little tangent here but i remember when rock conjunction junction yeah what's your function what's your function um is that still a thing Mm -mm. for the gen zers who are listening to us do you know what schoolhouse rock is they don't they should you should that's how you learn how a bill Bill becomes becomes a a law. law anyway 
So <laughs> my little tangent. So I remember the year that um, the bill went to con- New York State Congress to pass um, gay marriage in the state. And I remember like, so you can watch it on like public access, um, all of the um, congressional members, you know, talking about the bills and like, um, yeah, your nays, like all that crap. And I remember you could also like see the the docket of like what was going to be up that day, like what bills they were going to be discussing. And you never knew how long they were going to stay on one topic. But I remember that one of the topics that they were discussing that day that was like higher up on the list was um, something about like what our state color was going to be or like what our state fruit was. I mean, uh, fruit is, is, is apple, but like it was something like that obsolete, like what our state something was. Like, why is that uh, so much more important to discuss than the rights of the human beings that are living in your state? Right. And so it took forever to actually get to that. I remember gay marriage passed literally that night at like the close of their day. Right. It, they, they had to talk about other important pressing issues, like what our state bird is. Right. But not the civil rights of the members of our community. Right. That's why, you know, and this is just a little bit of, of, of procedure here and, and logistics, but like you should be able to, if you have multiple propositions to make in front of any kind of board, you should be able to select a limited number of things to mark as urgent so that you can say, okay, if, if this gets filibustered, which is also a ridiculous thing that we have here that I'm pretty sure none of the rest of you have, uh, we're at least going to say this is the thing that has to get talked about. Speaking of filibuster, though, I'm sorry. It always makes me think of Scandal. Yeah. When, when uh, Melly, like... When Melly... Just and filibustered they're, And they're the... teaching her how to filibuster. Like, make sure you go to the bathroom before you do it. Don't drink anything. She's, like, taking like, her shoes off. She's like, like, nope, I'm here, and I'm going to read the entire book. That's how ridiculous this government is. The government of the United States is ridic- it's ridiculous enough that junior senators have to be taught how to stall yep, how to all stall. day. That's exactly... Like, that's yep. an actual yep. thing. Yep. What? It was amazing, though. It on, was. On Scandal. It was. I mean, I would be pissed if it happened in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Which it does. And it does literally all the time. <laughs> Which it does. This isn't some kind of unprecedented thing. This yeah. happens multiple times per administration. Yeah. It, oh, God. Um, so on that note, um, that's the end of this episode. Um, and that kind of segues me into my diatribe that I tell every week is to vote on November 3rd. Um, if you want change enacted, you need to vote and, uh, you can vote via different methods. One being, uh, your absentee ballot, one being voting early and one being voting on November 3rd, which is the actual election day. If you are not registered to vote, double check with your state what the registration deadline is, because a lot of states have already closed their registration deadlines. However, Some of them do allow you to register at the polls on election day. So on November 3rd, you can go and register right there, right before you vote. 
You can also continue to register online even if the deadline in your state has passed. So again, check your states. Also check your states for the deadlines for the absentee ballot application. So if you first have to apply for your absentee ballot, then they mail you your ballot, you fill that out and you mail that in by a deadline. So there are multiple deadlines for that process. So double check with your state what those are. Double check with your state what the early voting dates are and if your state even participates in that, because there are some states that are not participating in that. There are some states that have already begun early voting. Um, so however which way you want to vote, just go out and vote. Voice your opinion. Make it known how you feel about politics at this time. And don't just vote for the major one, which is the president, but also vote for whatever else is on the ballot for your local districts as well. Because I say all the time, your local districts are what makes the most difference for you personally. It starts from the bottom, goes up to the top. This is obviously a very major presidential election as well. So make sure that you are voicing your opinion in that. And make sure you understand that there, is, there are more than just the two presidential candidates. There's more than just Republican and Democrat. We have also discussed that. You can go, um, Google basically will tell you any website to go to to find out who the other candidates are and what their platforms are. And there are websites also that will tell you, you answer questions and it'll tell you who your opinion most matches up with, what your platform most matches up with. So please, 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 please go vote on November 3rd or beforehand. And if you are voting at the polls, make sure that you are being safe. You're wearing your mask. You're sanitizing your hands. You're washing your hands. You are wiping down all of the areas that are being touched. You want to keep yourself safe. Dan and I have chosen to vote via absentee ballot because we don't necessarily trust the polling places. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are trying to stay as safe as possible by um, voting via absentee ballot. So that's all I want to say about the election. If you or someone you know is going through a domestic violence situation in the United States, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, SAFE, 7233. You can go to their website, thehotline.org, and they have a 24-7 live chat. And if you are in New Zealand, you can call the Free Crisis Line with the Women's Refuge on 0800-REFUGE or 0800-733-843. You can also go to their website, womensrefuge.org.nz for their contact information or to get information about anything happening nationwide. You can also get their email there and um, other, other resources. So as always, if you or someone you know has a story you would like to share on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy 
or you can find us on all of our social medias or any of our podcast platforms at our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. Just to give you a little information again, we are doing Pod V Con, the holiday one, December 4th through 6th. It is a live virtual podcast convention. You can join as a viewer at facebook.com slash groups slash pod which is P-O-D-V-C-O-M-M. We have over 20 amazing podcasters that are going to live stream episodes throughout the whole weekend. And we will have panel discussions regarding anything from the holidays to, of course, podcasting. Dan and I will be going live that Friday night with an awesome episode of Blackbird. Kind of... Stay tuned. Probably a little morbid because... True crime in the holidays, it's just kind of a yeah. morbid situation. Yeah. Um, also, if you love what we do and you want to vote for us for the Discover Pods Awards for 2020, you can find that link in our link tree also. And you can vote for us for like a bunch of different categories. You can put in a bunch of different podcasts in each category. So they have, you know, most innovative, uh, new for 2020, true crime, of course, uh, news, kids and family, fitness and health, food, all different categories. So whatever you think we fit into, of course, true crime, as well as anything else you think we fit into, throw us in the category, take a vote, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll win something. And uh, please, please, please share our podcast or at least the information that you hear on the podcast with friends and family. Um, you can write us a review. Uh, the, the best place is Apple Podcasts. And uh, continue to subscribe and listen on any of the platforms where you find us. So stay safe, be aware of your surroundings, and definitely continue to social distance. Don't get spit on. No. Don't spit on others. Mm -mm. That's how you get the corona. Yep. You don't want the corona. They might want the beer. Yes. Corona is delicious. The beer. Whatever. <laughs> don't get the corona. It's bad for you. All right, so we'll be back next week with an all-new Psyche Saturday and an all-new full-length Blackbird. Talk to you then. Bye. everyone i am nick and i'm russ and if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well informed highly educated and safe to share with your whole family that's not us nope it's not but here at the nick and russ don't know anything podcast we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it that we do new episodes every wednesday and saturday check us out at nickandruss.com
And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. Mwah!